Welcome to our Road to Desert Rain series, brought to you by Desert Rain Community Radio. Today, I sit down with Jacob Nedia. We talk about his um, life in Northeast El Paso, growing up there, uh, some mystical experiences he had throughout his life, um, some trials and tribulations, and eventually landing at uh desert rain community but before we get into that as always thank you diego from recording moving studios for the editing and sound engineering thank you to david and danny west they are responsible for the guitar you hear in the intro and outro Uh, if you're interested in learning more about desert rain community the ruin.com is a place to go Uh, if you want to find more podcasts that we have created and put into the world, drcrpod.com is a place to go for that. Um, A programming note, uh, after this week, uh, we are still going to release every Tuesday. However, we are going to alternate our series. Uh, So we'll have uh, dispatches from The Verge. Those are the conversations uh, David and I have around spiritual topics and spiritual matters. Uh, And then the other will continue to be our Road to Desert Rain series. Uh, So if you're enjoying what you hear, please tell a friend, uh, word of mouth or via social media. That always helps us out. Uh, We appreciate you. And let's get into it. Uh, Welcome to Road to Desert Rain. Uh, today I'm sitting down with Mr. Jacob Nedia. How are you doing today, sir? I'm great. Caught you, uh, caught you in, in mid meditation. <laughs> meditation <laughs> <laughs> woke woke you out of your silence, man. I'm sorry about that. That <laughs> <It> was stupid. <laughs> um, so, so you're you're familiar with the? I think you'll be number four or five on the release uh, line. So you. Nice. You got a little idea of what what this looks like, but um, I, I like to start off with uh, what what was your uh, your childhood like, as far as like specifically around faith or religion or spirituality. Like, what, what was your household like in that way? My um um, my dad was a pastor. <laughs> So, oh, you were a pastor, so you're so you're one of those rowdy pastor kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my folks were pastors, and I mean they weren't born pastors, but they became pastors by the time I was born. I'm the youngest of three, uh, four boys, and so when uh, when I came around, they were in full uh, full pastor pastoral swing. Did they already have their own church at this point? They were running a big church. Okay in El Paso. And, um, so they, they were, they were pretty, they had their hands full when I came along. So I became, uh, I I was kind of their, uh, latchkey kid. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it. Everyone. Yeah. I kind of, they, they had learned how to parent and work by the time I came along. It was like, yeah, we got this. Right. Let the kid raise himself. <laughs> <laughs> we figure this out. See if right. the kid can figure it out. Right. What uh, What was the name of the church and what was the uh, that denomination? Was, that was the uh, that was the Vineyard Church in El Paso, and that would have been the church that 
all of, I, yeah, all of the desert Rainians came from. Mm -hmm. That would have been where we, where it all began. Uh, David was the youth pastor way back, way back then. And, uh, Greg showed up, um, I'm not sure exactly when in that, right? but, and, and Deanna was there. I think Deanna was around just before Greg. Yeah. Deanna said, she said her first memory of that church, she said she remembers it because it was your dad's first day leading worship. Oh my God. She shared that story. So she goes back that to that yeah, day. She, wow. she, she shared that story Dude, last I, week I, on her. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Wow. Okay. So yeah, Deanna was around before me then. No. <laughs> no. She's higher on the pecking order than you. Yeah, she was there. Yeah, so okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, Deanna was there. Then Greg showed up sometime during the full swing of mm -hmm. of that youth group movement. And my brothers were involved in all that. And I was just I was really um I, I just didn't like to be I didn't want to be a part of it. And I was a I was probably a rebellious kid or maybe a, I, I, I always considered myself a bad kid. I what, thought I was a bad kid. What made you, like, what was it about it that you didn't like? I think I was, um, back then I, I couldn't have told you. I wouldn't, right, have, right, right. I wouldn't have known back then. I would have just said, I'm just not interested, but. Uh, I do remember feeling embarrassed mm. and I didn't know how to express that. But I, as a kid, I was embarrassed to be kind of pastors. Kids get kind of put on a, on a pedestal or put in the limelight. And, right. and that, that both terrified me and embarrassed me. And I felt, um, uh, Back then, I would have just said I I, I didn't like that spotlight. Mm -hmm. But I do remember, um, I do remember uh, in in silence, you know, silence kind of heals a lot of stuff. And as an adult, in silence, coming across this realization that I, I actually was um, feeling uh, what's the word. Um, a, a sensitivity towards other people mm. in, in that I, I, I didn't want to feel privileged and I had, a, I was raised with a lot of privilege and I, I don't know how I knew that as a kid, except for that. I saw my friends that didn't have dads. I saw friends that had no fathers or some friends that had, uh, really addicted fathers. Um, and when you when you're in the middle of the di addiction, you might as well not be present. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I remember seeing that though as a kid, and feeling like I, I just didn't want them to know that my dad was really a, a good man. You know, he was mm. present. He was he was. Uh, I mean, he was extremely busy. There was the busiest times of their lives, but. As a kid, I would have blamed it on that and said, yeah, they, you know, they're just preoccupied with church, yeah. church world stuff. And so I get to do what I want. But they were, they were really involved, you know, uh, in my life as a kid. Uh, if and, and so why, why do you think um, – so I guess – so actually let me ask it this way. 
Was it pretty common? Where did you grow up exactly? Like where in El Paso? That would have been northeast El Paso. Okay. Far northeast, almost here in Chaparral, honestly. It's yeah. like right on the edge of El Paso. Uh, we were the last neighborhood before the desert kicked off into Chaparral, into nothingness. And, and was, was it a common, like in your neighborhood, was it common for fathers to not be present? Right, right. Yeah, it was, it was, I, 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 I just, Distinctly remember as a young guy, uh, real young, maybe, uh, you know, eight or nine year old playing with kids and their dads were home or at work, but their dads were in the home, you know, they were living there. And then I remember this age where it seemed like I couldn't, I, I didn't know anyone who had a dad. Really? <laughs> all of a sudden, friends that, you know, once had their dads around, it was just all moms and older siblings you know just and and it uh, that would have been like junior high age okay. things just everything changed out so like in four or five years yeah it just shifted. seemed like whoa what happened to all the male figures around here and i was this one kid with everyone knew my dad was a pastor i mean he was he was active in the community doing uh outreach and you know serving evangelism and uh you know, doing music out in the streets, trying to attract people to the big church out there in Northeast. And so, yeah, I was very embarrassed of that. I, I felt like, uh, man, I, I just, looking back, I can say now, from my perspective now, it, it hurt me to have that type of privilege. And it, it be, I think in my heart, I would have known it as, or seen it as a responsibility. We don't know. I don't think we discern what we're what we're really feeling. It's like the problem's never the problem. <laughs> we're right. just kind of reacting to something we don't really intuit. Well, and even as a kid, we don't always have the words. Yeah, we don't know what we're reacting. I feel, yeah. I feel I sh for sure didn't know what I was reacting to, mm. but I definitely, as an adult, know that uh, that was empathy in me. Yeah, and. And I just didn't know what to do with that level of empathy. And I, I, it didn't feel right to, to me to actually be, have it. I felt like I didn't have anything to do with it in other ways. Right. Yeah. It was yeah. out of your control. Yeah. It's not like, like, what do I do for my friends or what do I do for anybody? And I just, I, I followed the, I followed the hoods. <laughs> and so yeah. I, I fell into that, but. And do you think it would have been different if your dad had a quote unquote regular job where he wasn't necessarily out in the community doing I, reaching out and, and being so visible? Yeah, I, I have thought about that because my dad, right before uh, I kind of hit uh, school eight or, or, or I'd say it, he probably went into the ministries when I was about, I don't know. 11 or so. I don't know. I can't remember. I'm terrible at this. You yeah, know you're that. not good at numbers. As <laughs> you know, so, soon as we oh, introduce man. numbers, Forget Jacob, it. Jacob's mind just folds in on itself. You're, cornering, like, nope. you're cornering me now. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, I do remember him having a, a job at a boot factory. Mm. He was a plant manager of Larry Mahan's boot factory in far East El Paso back in the 80s. And he was doing great. I, I think before they closed down, he got a manufacturing job doing the same thing. An offer 
doing that same gig in California. And he was like, hey, we're moving on up. And then, mm. and then the Holy Spirit happened to him, and he just said, "Not." <laughs> right. And he, went to, and he went to church, and he because he was always doing music. Well, that's funny because anyone I've ever had a conversation with about your dad mm-hmm. is always acted like he was always yeah. a pastor. Yeah, like that was his calling. Even if he, you know, even if he did the boot thing for a while. Yeah. His calling right. was to be in ministry right. in some way, shape, or form. That's all people know him as. And and so um, having him just recently pass away, is it, it, a lot of those memories of him before pastoring stirred mm. up where I used to love seeing him come. Or it's weird, but I would love smelling him when he'd walk in the door from the boot factory. That leather. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just it was it was awesome, man. That's funny. Yeah. My dad wears boots, and so that reminds me of like when my dad would go buy a new pair of boots. Yeah. And you'd walk into the section where the boots oh, were. It's heavenly. That, yeah, that distinct leather smell. It's too funny. It's beautiful. Yeah. But it, so I've I have thought about that whole thing. Like right. what would what would have happened or what do I, you know, can I, can I see, uh, would have happened? Well, we sure as heck would have moved to like California mm-hmm. and we probably, cause my dad was great at whatever he did. He, anything he put himself to, he'd do it mm-hmm. and he'd, he'd kick ass. And so we probably would have just be, uh, become spoiled suburban kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it wouldn't, I I, I imagine we would have just, you know, disappeared into some of our success stories. And right. Our, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so backing up to your story, you said uh, you, you kind of fell in with the, as you said, at the hoods. I'm yeah. guessing it's like the, yeah, the guys that were, sure. were out there looking for trouble. And what, what age, age range was that? Um, I don't know. I'm terrible at this, but I would say. I would say probably sixth grade would have been okay. the time when I really started Middle school type stuff. Yeah, started ditching and you know taking off, taking off all till late. You know, just learning, learning about drinking, learning about getting high, <laughs> learning about girls, learning about the streets. Yeah, yeah, just learning about being being tough. You know, mm. or bluffing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, bluffing, yeah. being tough because I wasn't a fighter that's, and I was with a lot of fighters, man. And those guys were terrifying. That's to me. so funny. I So people <laughs> that have listened to this have heard my some of my war stories as far as drinking. And that was the I would when I could see a fight was coming down because I'm not a yeah. fighter either. But I did surround myself with fighters because my mouth would get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned that I don't even know how I learned this. If I acted crazy, like mm-hmm. if I got the crazy eyes yep. and just started like sort of moving my head a little bit and just saying wild stuff, yep. people wouldn't fight you. They don't mess with you. <laughs> They're like, nah, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> yeah, it's true, man. It's true. It's a weird thing. So, yeah, but it was a bluff. It was all a it, bluff. And that that's what I was learning about. And and there were times where I couldn't bluff my way out and I Got, I've been beat down. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I've had, I've had my ass kicked, and 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 it uh, it feels just a tiny bit worse than actually kicking someone's ass. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The only di- I think the only difference is the ego. Like your ego gets hurt when you get beat up, right? Right. And right. your ego gets fed when you win, right? 
It's like, that's the only, that's really the, in my experience, it was really the only difference. And, but for some context of this were so you were the youngest, you had I'm three older brothers. Yeah. Were any of them doing the street stuff, getting in trouble kind of stuff? Briefly, uh, briefly, I had my oldest brother, uh, in junior high got mixed up with the wrong crowd and, and his, and that would be his, that would be, uh, um, the way he, he says it, he would say, I got mixed up with the wrong crowd. Right. And he got, he actually had to go to the D home for a while. What's that? The uh, youth detention center. Oh, okay. So yeah. he actually got. Yeah. He got locked up in there. Put for, in the system. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that changed him instantly. Like he came out, went straight to private school and he, he swore he'd never do anything wrong after that. Mm. And that, that changed him big time. And it, it was for him, it wasn't because he was afraid because he was a fighter. He, mm -hmm. He's different. It's so weird, but he was actually a fighter okay. growing up. He and and he always picked fights. This guy yeah. was a brawler, and um, but I think what was different in him is that he really wanted to do good. Mm. He really wanted to do good in my parents' eyes. Right. Do good, not in, let them down. Yeah, and 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 step up to the plate to the ministry that mm -hmm. he's been that he was raised in. You know, he really wanted to to perform well in life. And, uh, so that hit him hard, okay. that like hit him hard. And I was on the opposite end kind of saying, I, I just don't know where I can be here and fit in, in this ministry thing, uh, or even in this family, you know, they seemed, they always seemed, uh, so smart to me, mm. all my family, uh, my brothers were always a, a lot more intelligent, more, I mean, being the baby, I guess that's, maybe that's normal that everyone kind of talks over your head because <laughs> well, it's a weird age thing too. Right. Cause everyone's kind of like developmentally, you know, in a different place. Right. Whereas oh, you're, yeah. you're, you know, you, oh, yeah. you can only do what a five-year-old can do. Exactly. But you yeah, you exactly. see your older brothers doing other things, but that's just because exactly. they're at a different developmental stage. Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, sort of falling into this, this, uh, the wrong crowd or what, you know, however we can put it in so many different ways and learning the streets, uh, at a, at a fairly early age. Um, how did that sort of set up your, your high school? Did you, did you finish high school? I never, I didn't, I got a GED, Medea, my okay. wife, Medea made me, well, actually Everything. I got a court order. I always blame it on her because honestly, the truth is. Without the court order, I wouldn't have done any of it. <laughs> well, I was just about but, to say, Medea. But at the same time, without her enforcing what the judge said, I wouldn't have done. I would have failed at that. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have lived up to that. So bravo <laughs> to the state of Texas yeah. for ordering it, and, and then and your wife looking over your shoulder for saying, "Hey, you're <laughs> you're either gonna do this or you're not gonna stick around with me." She was always very mature, man. So when we we. The three of us kind of talked about that. What was it last week about yeah. her siblings and just how different her mm -hmm. circumstances have been in the sense like she's never been incarcerated. Right. You know, and, and it was right. just I, I it was very interesting hearing her story. And for those listening, I'll be sitting down with her and she'll be the next episode after this after this one airs for Road to Desert Rain. So we right. won't uh, take her story too much. But. It was just very interesting how mature she had to be right. 
in and around her siblings. Right. And her life circumstances. Right, right. She had to grow up fast. So, um, so, so what, like, what, what was it? I I don't want to get too deep into it, but obviously you had run, run run-ins with the law if you're standing in front of a judge. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I think there's a, a prayer story mixed into that if you yeah. with David and, and your wife and yeah. Um, so maybe you right. could tell, tell that story just to kind of set the stage. Yeah. That, that was, I mean, I, I was, I was dealing drugs, uh, instead of going to high school. Um, my folks were not knowing what to do with me. They, you know, they tried everything. They, they could come up with and it just nothing worked for me um i was so i like i say i always felt like i was just a bad person mm-hmm. i never felt like i was a capable of doing something good for anyone or or even for myself uh for some reason when i was a boy i first time i heard howling wolf blues records it just set something <laughs> off in me and i was like yes the blues i'm a blues man and it tickled i tickled your brain in such a way did something to me man and i said that's my life i'm a blues man and i'm i'm i guess i'm destined to self-destruct or something i don't know but i always felt that and so yeah i was i i couldn't get i couldn't function in school i couldn't function in a in a part-time job, you know, those after-school jobs you get. I couldn't function anywhere, man. And I just couldn't find my place. I couldn't find uh, my my balance, I think. And um, so I I was just getting high, selling selling weed, selling LSD, uh, making uh, Ready Rock for some older guys in the neighborhood. Ready Rock is just just crack rock but you, <laughs> it sounds it sounds less intimidating when you just call it ready rock it's ready rock <laughs> i uh so, sounds less scandalous yeah so i would since i was underage they would have me they would have me do that and then run it to somebody for delivery oh the older drug yeah dealers. so we, we'd rock it up and so i learned how to rock up the the coke the soda <laughs> and uh and yeah, I, I I did I did pretty much all the drugs I I could have done except heroin and and shrooms. I don't know why I never had shrooms. I guess it was just maybe it was a college kid thing or something, and I just never came across it. The, the Eminem sang a song about it, so I thought I would do it, and it was the worst. I don't know if I've gone into this on the podcast. It was absolutely the worst experience of my life. <laughs> A blessing because it terrified me from anything else. <laughs> like I was like, all right, I know what alcohol um, will do with me. I'm gonna stick to that because this seeing stuff is not, yeah. not going well. Yeah, and see, I think I, I think, I think I gravitated towards that type of thing where I was like, yeah, there, I can't get enough of that. I, mm. I just, I could have, I could have existed doing that forever, and I thought I was going to until I met Medea, and she. You know, I, I really fell in love with Medea and, uh, and we had, we, she got pregnant with our oldest son, Andre, and she just wasn't having it. She was like, nope, <laughs> you're not gonna, you're not gonna do this for a living. And I was like, dang, there's the fine print for you. 
<laughs> like, like, wait a minute. You serious? I got to get a job? She was like, yeah, you're going to have to get a job and we're going to have to get married. And I was like, whoa. Did you try to twist the like, but I'm making such good big money. Big time, big time, yeah. big time. I was, I started buying her things. She doesn't, she can't be bought. This yeah, girl, yeah. nah, she's not like that at all. She was not interested in anything. Yeah, that. she didn't want anything from me except uh, faithfulness. I don't know what the companionship, right? Being uh, a father and maturity. <laughs> she was like, well, she had to wait. She's for still working so on that. <laughs> <laughs> she, had, she had to wait for so many years for that, man. But, um, but okay, so that story. Yeah, that, 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 and the reason that I love that there's certain desert rain stories that every time I hear it, I, I'm just totally, yeah. you know, Greg with the severance package. We covered yeah. that one. That's one of them. And this, this, this is one of the other ones that I ran yeah, right there next is, to it. This is a heavy story. And we're, I mean, for the record, we're kind of telling it in reverse because we're telling it as, we're telling it in a in a uh, and I've always told it this way too. It doesn't mm-hmm. get told in in the in order orderly fashion, mm-hmm. uh, um, <clears throat> but because it, it, this is kind of how it how it evolved. But but it started a lot younger as a little kid. But for for the sake of the story, you know what happened is we were, we were planning on getting, we were planning on getting married and then not. And then like, okay, I, I was on board. And then mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, no. What am I, what am I thinking? I can't, I can't be domesticated. How the <laughs> hell am I going to do I'm a wild beast? I, I cannot do this. I'm an outdoor dog. <laughs> <laughs> but so she, she was living on the far East side at the time. And this is so bizarre. I don't know how this kind of works out, but this is really one of those mir- miraculous Holy Spirit mm-hmm. stories yeah. where she found out that David and Greg and, you know, all his team were on the east side doing their east side church. And so she said, well, she knew it, she heard it was a vineyard. So she went over to their place. It was either at their church service or at one of their prayer meetings because mm-hmm. they were burning the candle of prayer all, Almost every, every day, yeah, right? Yeah, they were yeah. in an, an all-day type, type of lifestyle already. And so Medea showed up there and said, oh, um, they were like, hey, who, who are you? How do we know you? And she's like, oh, how'd you get here, right? And she's telling them, well, my my boyfriend is Ernie Nettia's son, you know, Pastor Ernie. And they're like, oh, yeah, we know. So we love, J- we J- love J- Pastor Yeah, Ernie. they're like, oh, you're great. And she's, they're like, well... She's telling him, you know, my boyfriend, we're going to get married and he's just, he's ran out on me again and he's just a jackass. He won't grow up. And so um, they, they, they had said, well, let's pray for him. Let's start praying for him. And I don't know who said this. I don't know who started this, but they had, they just, you know, prayer at that time would, would kind of it would evolve. Like they'd start praying something and mm. then somebody would throw in a prayer on top of that. And on top of that, they, and before long there, this, it builds into this mountainous prayer and their it prayer. Me, it makes me think of like freestyle rapping. It's kind of like when there's a group flowing. of people. Yeah. yeah Someone throws in something. Exactly, yeah, yeah. man. Oh, exactly. So they started freestyle praying on me. <laughs> Greg, <laughs> Greg took the mic. <laughs> Greg took the mic and said, Lord, arrest this man tonight arrest him and they that's what it became a prayer of arrest him 
Well, then. So like the whole group at the yeah. end is, is. Bring him down. Bring him into your, wow. your will. Bring him into your, you know, your uh, uh, doing. And so I, I think it was, that probably was on a Thursday or a Friday. And then by Saturday, it was my birthday. <laughs> it was my 18th birthday. And I got arrested. <laughs> I love that story so much. I got arrested. I got arrested. Uh, I was I was in my new car, and I was. It was my what birthday. Kind of, what kind of car was it? A Lincoln Town Car. Oh Jesus! Yeah, you were. Yeah, a drug beautiful, dealer. beautifully pimped out the way I wanted to live, yeah. and I had a you know I I had all kinds of I had a bar in the trunk, <laughs> a beautiful spread of you know the all the good liquors. <laughs> And, and uh, yeah, I had all that garbage, man. I was so I'm I was in a Wendy's drive through or Jack in the Box drive through getting a burger in the and and I turned off my lights to be nice to the person in front mm, of me. I, right. and I turned them off, but they were those automatic headlights, so I never turned them back on. Oh. And as I drove out, a cop saw me pulling out and he pulled me over. Well, when he pulled me over, I had the windows rolled up and I was smoking a big blunt. <laughs> so it was like and game, so game over. I rolled down the windows and he just laughed. He said, <laughs> what are you doing? And I said, I'm sorry, officer. I'm an idiot. And I was trying to talk my way out of it, you know. Had, had you been able to talk your way out of trouble before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, you, yeah. So that's, that's what you were expecting. That's been my gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or I thought that was my gift. That was a, a real good talent of mine mm, to just right. talk my way through things, even with my parents, even all, all through school. I was like that. I, I knew when to crack jokes and mm -hmm. help, you know, ease the tension. And maybe that's why Medea tolerated me for so long. <laughs> I don't know. You were able to talk your way back in the house yeah, I over think so. and over. I think so. But then so, so, so it's Cheech and Chong. The smoke's yeah. just flowing out. The cops making fun of you. It was sad. And, and, um, the cop was laughing and then they, they, you know, he calls other units because they're cracking up. Cause they're like, Hey, remember that kid? Oh, wow. We, we suspected he was dealing. He really is dealing. Oh, they were man. like, this, this dumbass. it's his 18th birthday. And they were cracking. Which up. is they the were, worst day to get arrested. Yeah, they were you're clowning. An, you're an adult. Me. I was an adult. And then they said, is there anything else on you? And I said, no, nothing else. And I had totally forgotten that I had a crack rock in the car. And so it became a federal offense. Why was it federal? Crack rock. Oh, at that time. Wow. Yeah. And so I got hit for a federal offense and I was supposed to do time. And it was a first offense that I got a good lawyer and he got me off on a... I, uh, it's called adjudicated probation, deferred adjudicated probation. So I had a ton of probation, years of probation, where I had to have a full-time job, um, had to pay a bunch of fines. My fines were through the roof, man. And then um, I had to get my GED. The, um, those were my orders. And no no drinking, no dirty yeah, drug you, test. Yeah, you get thrown in yeah. right away. Or else it's automatic time. Yeah. And it's and it's not a percentage of the time. It was going to be full. You got to. Oh, you had yeah. all or nothing. Yeah, it was going to have to be full time served. And so I just, my one night experience at El Paso County Jail was like enough to make me go, okay, I got to do this. I, I can't be, I can't 
this is embarrassing, but I can't take a poop in jail. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. It just wasn't going to happen. That silver toilet in the middle, in the middle of the room. Of everybody. It's not happening, bro. It's not happening. <laughs> I can't do it. I just can't do it. I you, can't. Hear, you heard it here first, folks. That if you want to get on the straight and narrow, <laughs> just have an aversion to pooping in public. Um, That's terrible. Dude, I love that story on so many levels because I just picture, like, knowing all the players now, but I just picture David, yep. you know, and Marsha and Greg and everyone yep. else just, just praying their hearts out. Yep. I, you know, picturing Medea, like, I don't know what to do. Like, yep. This guy's like, I want, I think there's some potential there, but he keeps running. a. He's an outdoor dog. As he's you an said. outdoor dog. Yep. And within, what was it? 48 hours or 72, very short period of time. That weekend. You, you end up in jail. Yeah. It and, blows my mind. And I could see it from their perspective. And I'm, you know, back then I was like, man, I know they're celebrating. <laughs> For, of course. Yes. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, God came yeah. through, and I'm that's, like, that's one of the ones you hang up in the banner. In the banner, or you retire that as a Hall of Fame prayer. Oh, you're crap. like on this day. Uh, yeah, it's just it's too good. So, so what? Well, two things. How long was it defer? Like, how long did you know you had to be on the straight and narrow? As far as you know, no, no trouble, no dirty UAs, stuff like that. And and what was the shift in you? Uh, was or was there a shift in you spiritually? There was a huge shift in me. I instantly, when I came out of of jail, I had a I had a homecoming experience uh, where I felt um, I I finally felt like I had um, some kind of potential. I didn't know what it was, mm. but but it was huge for me. And and you just felt that from within. Yeah, I was charged. You know. I was supercharged for a while and, and I was terrified. I had to sober up, mm. you know, I had to sober up and that was really hard for me. How long had you been using up until that point? Since, uh, I mean, you said like around sixth grade is when you started. Right, right. So I don't know. So it's around was. 12, maybe yeah. 11, 12, you started using. Probably. So yeah. That puts you 18. Yeah. I remember seven, eight years. I remember. Uh, never mind. I'm not going to tell this story. <laughs> it's too. It's not good. Okay. Never mind. We'll save it for another day. We'll save it for for the the uh, explicit. Uh, yeah, the war stories yeah, the version. War story podcast we're working on. So okay, so you feel charged. You feel like there's some potential in you with this homecoming experience, yeah, big time. And, and kind of how did that unfold? Um, Riefenberg. David Riefenberg was doing a crossroads coffee house church in the mm -hmm. alley over over off Dyer Street in the in the uh, skid row <laughs> of El Paso. And it was a wild church, man. You'd go in there. Holy Holy Ghost would just I mean, I, I think I there's a story he tells where I ran up the wall in his church. <laughs> And it wasn't I, from the Ready Rock it, folks. It was not Ready Rock. I was clean as a whistle. And uh, I ran up the wall and my foot marks were on his wall. And they somebody measured him and was like, how the hell did he get so high up there? Wow. <laughs> like I ran up his wall without a shirt. And this is during a church service. That place, that I needed that place. At that time in my life, 
me and and Medea and Andre. Andre was just a little baby, but he he we needed that place. That place saved us. It was a sanctuary, literally. Yeah, yeah. I had a place where I could go and get pile drived by the Holy Spirit. And it was experiential. It was big time experiential. And uh I was I was on cloud nine. I was I was um well and and just to kind of back up a, a little bit, or maybe a lot of it, you you had a, mi- a mystical experience as a child. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't know what to make of it. It scared me. What was that experience? So that's that's where what I was meaning by we come at this story and kind of backwards yeah. because early on, as a nine year old kid, uh, we went to this father and son camping trip up in a place I would. I think it's called Sunspot. It's like in Cloudcroft, mm. New Mexico. And we went up there camping. This would be in my dad's church, father and son camping trip. Uh, we, uh, it, it's, it's like on a plateau. The, camps, the camp spot is on a plateau really high up above a waterfall. Mm. And I knew the waterfall was there. That, more, that uh, time we showed up, Everybody, you know, that was the that was the main attraction, the big view mm-hmm. of the waterfall. Um, by the next morning, we wake up, have breakfast, and I was just running like a kid with no direction, just hauling butt as fast as I could. And I flew off that waterfall head wow. first. I went flying overhead first. And as I'm flying overhead first, I could feel a warm person on my back. You know, I'm flying head first and I could feel myself going, you know, nose diving into the ground. And it's um, not like going into a pool. You're not going into a pool. No, this was a New Mexico waterfall. Yeah, so it's dry. <laughs> it's just rocks on the bottom. Yeah. It's a trickle, you know, it's a little stream. And so I'm going over nose diving into the ground. And I could, only thing I can hear is wind through my ears. I could hear the wind in my ears, but I could feel the warmth on my back and it, and, uh, I hear somebody tell me to land on my feet. And I, it's so weird because, I mean, you think it, it can't take but a couple seconds to hit right. the bottom, but f- it, it took a long time to hit the bottom. And I could hear this, this voice say, land on your feet. And even telling the story, I feel like an idiot because it sounds so, so like. Right, it sounds out. like out, out of a movie. Right, it's ridiculous. And these, these are, this is the humility of these experiences is that they leave you sounding like a lunatic. Mm-hmm. And, and so my And dr- they happen. Yeah. And it's for real. It's real. And it happened. And it's the same story as my drug experience in life is like, well, yeah, I sound like a lunatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. But. I hear this voice telling me I'm a nine-year-old boy and I hear this voice saying, land on your feet. And I say, I can't, I'm going head first. And then the voice says again, Jacob Israel, my full name is Jacob Israel. And so they, the voice says, Jacob Israel, land on your feet. And I could feel it pulling my body back, wow. not flipping. I didn't right. do a front somersault. I went backwards against my momentum and I landed on my feet and I broke my uh, left leg, went jammed every bone jammed all the way up into my hip to this day my hips are off off centered and i gotta go to the chiropractor all the time to get me back right and, and i i can't grow calves on my on my lip man all the lifting i'm all done. upstairs <laughs> I can, i'm all Little upstairs chicken legs. Uh, yeah i can't Little chicken legs so, so needless to say i can't box 
<laughs> I got a glass jaw. <laughs> and and I, so you land on your feet. I land on my feet. Break your leg. Yeah. And as I'm on the bottom, my bro- my 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 older brother shows up right away and he carries me, picks me up and carries me out of the water because I'm still in the shallow waters. Uh I my I think my knee must have hit my lip with the impact and I bit my, I think my teeth, my front teeth bit through my lip. So I had a hole in my lip where my lip was just hanging on. But other than that, I was fine. I even tried to stand up and then I just didn't have a leg. But then my older brother shows up and he picks me up, carries me out of the water. And uh, then all the, all the adults come around and they put me on a stretcher and they're trying to put me in my dad's truck. Uh, as a kid, I was terrified because the voice kept telling me, you're supposed to go with David. And I was like, I was just like, I'm freaking out here as a kid, nine-year-old kid. I, I don't you know. You just fell off a cliff. I just fell off of a yeah, huge waterfall. Stuff. I didn't know what to, I, and I was reasoning in my mind saying, it, I don't have to say anything. I'm, they're not going to listen to me. I'm a kid. <laughs> you know how you're like trying to get up the courage mm-hmm, to say something? Mm-hmm. At the last second, they're putting me putting me in the back of my dad's suburban, and I grab the sides of the doors like the kid on the Christmas story when <laughs> they push him down the slide. Right, right, right. Like, Wait, I want a football. Yeah. I want a. I want a, sh- uh, a BB, BB gun. gun. Yeah, <laughs> I was kind of like that kid. I I grabbed the doors and I said, "Wait, wait, wait! I'm not supposed to go with you. I'm supposed to go with David." And they were like, "He's going into shock." They're looking at each other and they're like, "He's going into shock." shove him in and i wouldn't let go at this point of the door frame and i just said i'm supposed to go with david and david morrison's there it's a father-son camp out his dad wasn't there his dad was at the catholic church somewhere so i don't even know why david was there but this is why he was there there. this is why he was there and he's just kind of sitting he's kind of standing behind all the adults he's i guess high school age at the time and he says you know, it's all right, man. I'll, I'll drive him. <laughs> yeah. I'll drive him. I, I could drive him. So they put me in David's car and I go with David to the, to the nearest clinic. It was, I think it was even a vet office. I don't, I think it was a, right. yeah. Cause I don't think anything was open. It was like a Sunday oh, or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I didn't know what to make of that, but that voice, that voice kind of stuck around for a while in my mm-hmm. life as a right. kid as a kid it disappears a while later but what does show up something that shows up in my life is my vision would shake my vision i'd get like a tunnel vision Mm. and my vision would shake and they would do a lot of cat scans they did about three different times they checked me because i was getting scared of them i was getting scared of these things and uh, my uh, my hands would feel really uh fat and Mm. and skinny I, it would feel like I could feel the wire, like if there was wiring inside my fingers. And this, when your eyes would shake, the same yeah, thing would happen. Yeah. At the yeah. same time, your hands. Yeah. And I would get scared, man. Yeah. I would get really scared as a kid. And I thought, I always thought from that point on, I always thought something was wrong with my mind, with my head. Right. I always thought something was broken or missing. And, um, and this, this was before the Ready Rock was in your life. This was before Ready Rock, man. <laughs> and I couldn't. You know, I, I, I can't tell you what, uh, you know. And what did the cat, did the CAT scan show? They it? wouldn't pick up anything. So they would just say, look, he's fine. Physically, everything's intact. 
they said, I'm guessing he's just trauma and it'll, it'll stop. Mm -hmm. And it did stop. And it probably was just trauma. <laughs> but yeah, who, I mean, who it was also, it was also uh, uh, definitely a, a, a wound that would one day really come back okay. and, and be a, a clue to, to finding myself, mm -hmm. a clue to finding what we call my true self, maybe. So all this, so the, the eye stuff and the hand stuff happened after, after the fall, the fall. Okay. And, um, and so fast forward to our desert rain initiation, um, or our road to desert rain, fast forward and shortly after my time getting married and you know running up the church walls in, in the sanctuary and that's that's yeah okay so i just wanted to make yeah. sure we didn't skip over the right, reefs right stuff. yeah or, that, i mean that that the was a heavy roots. that was a heavy time man and it, and i it was a baptism for me mm -hmm. it was a big time baptism for me and i kept i think the waterfall was a baptism or a birth you know it was mm. a rebirthing for me and it was a prophetic rebirthing, a symbol of something that would be reoccurring in my life. And so coming out of jail was a rebirthing. Okay. Coming, uh, coming into the crossroads time of my life was, is definitely a crossroads time oh, of wow. my life. Right. And, uh, what, and what it's crazy. Cause I'm thinking if I'm, if I remember the timeline correctly, uh-huh. There was a really popular song by Bone Thugs and Harmony called Crossroads. It was at the same time. That's why. Yeah, it was around that Ooh. same time. It's a great song. It's it an was, unbelievable man. song. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I love I, that one. I miss my Uncle Charles, y'all. <laughs> that was so bad. Such a good song. Anyways. See, these Desert Rain guys, they don't know nothing about that, bro. That's me and you, man. We we have to I've, teach that here. I have to see how much that song costs to license and try <laughs> to just put intro it, with try it. to put it on this episode. Anyways, so so you're yeah, so you're running up the walls at at uh, crossroads. Um it was wild. Your was life is, is drastically shifting. I felt the voice kind of returned to me again too. The oh. voice that inner voice of childhood. I kind of felt it, you know. Maybe, maybe I gave it a shot. I gave yeah. it a chance and, and I learned a lot and I, I messed up a lot and, mm -hmm. and, but, but that's, I was moving forward. Finally, I was actually mm -hmm. progressing in a, a type of, a type of faith, a type of hope that is beyond just what I can, you know, fabricate in my life. As Which something. Your, your humanly yeah. efforts could get you. Yeah. Big time, man. So the voice kind of came back and in my heart this time, you know, it was really a deep inner voice that I, I don't, I don't think it, it was that same voice. I think it was of the same source, but right. it didn't have that same audible sound to it from when I was a kid. But then, yeah, you know, not too, not too much time goes by and I, and I, uh, I kind of wreck everything again. I wreck and ruin the whole thing again. And I, I I was holding down a job for a for a good while, and just uh, not doing good, not doing good um, um, emotionally and spiritually. You mean. Yeah, big time. Starting to slowly fall back into an an addiction process. Mm. You know, kind of losing sight. Uh, I didn't really know what to do for myself. Had, I, had I you drifted from the go. church at that point? Yeah, okay. yeah. I definitely did. And and that became 
that became my cycle. That became mm. my kind of a, a pattern right. where I, I, I would drift off alone. And I, I know I needed a lot of time to be alone, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how to be alone. So mm. I'd, I'd go off to be alone and I'd end up, you know, after work at a bar okay. or I'd end up, you know, just, just playing, uh, uh, Mac daddy, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah. chasing, yeah. chasing stuff. Yep. And yeah. so I got very distracted. I got, I, I, I let my family down so many times during that period. And along comes my buddy, David Morrison again. <laughs> oh, wow. And wait, so just say, how many kids do you have by this point? By that time, I'm terrible with the. <laughs> I keep I keep trying not to ask. Yeah, you those no, questions. it's hard because yeah, it's hard because yeah. that those are the questions you have. You you have more than Andre at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I we had all of our kids actually except Noe, okay, the baby guy, yeah, the baby guy that comes along here at Desert Rain. Yeah, so so, so David Morrison pops back into your yeah, life. Morrison shows up again, and my folks are like, hey. Uh, you know, my folks would come by and visit me and talk to me mm. a lot and say, you know, what, what's eating and this they're, guy? They're still, they're still cranking away. Doing, doing by, ministry by stuff. By this time, they've left northeast El Paso and they're doing Chaparral, New Mexico. And what's the name of that church? That was, the, it, it, at the time, I think it was just called The Net. Okay. I think they called this place The Net. Uh, that they were at in Chaparral, but now it, which turns into the Blended Nation mm. Christian Fellowship, or, right. or I don't know how they call it, Blended Nation Church, maybe is how okay. they call it. So your parents, so okay, so they're still doing the church thing. You're 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 running amok with your life again, again, falling falling back again, and um, and then they they're you know they're picking my brain desperately because they're like hey we got to talk sense into him or we got to figure out what oh so they could see yeah oh yeah man i I was having a really hard time you know getting clean happens like that weekend but sobering Mm. up actually having a sober worldview and a sober man that takes years man and it was i just couldn't i just couldn't do it i just i i had i had support from my family i had support around me but Nobody was an addict. Nobody was mm. nobody was self-destructive. I was self-destructive. Mm. I wanted to I wanted to destroy myself and not, I didn't even know why. I couldn't tell you why. To this day, I guess, you know, the the thing that the thing that I've come up with is that um that kind of uh uh embarrassment for being uh, privileged for seeing, mm. for having a different, you know, for even having a choice. I remember arguing with my dad once as a kid and he was saying, you don't have a choice. You're born into a family that loves you and cares and you want, you know, you, you have a calling in your life. And I said, everybody has a choice, but me. And he says, that's right. You don't. I can imagine your dad he, saying he so that too. At that, man. <laughs> and, and I felt that way. Like, man, I, I just don't, I don't want the responsibility of living up to being, uh, uh, seen as, as an elder, a wise person, uh, anything, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to disappear, you know? But, um, so I was self-destructing again and they, they tell me, you know, they're talking to me and talking to me and the things that I'm saying 
it's so hard to explain because at the same time, I was an extremely deep spiritual and emotional person. I've always been that way where I can, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I could be trying to self-destruct and at the same time crying, mm. praying, um, wanting, wanting God to, to stay near me, you right. know, wanting yeah. to draw near God. I just didn't, they're two different worlds mm -hmm. and they were colliding and it was impossible to shift gears for me. I, I was, I could not do it myself, but so they say, Hey, you sound like, you know, a lot of the things you tell us are things that Morrison talks about. And I was like, what's he talking about? He's talking about community. He's talking about this new thing. And I was like, um. so they say, why don't you go talk to him? So I met up with him a few times before, you know, desert rain. Are, so are they out here yet? Or are they still? My, they're not church? out here at the time. They're on okay. the east side. They're getting ready to move out here. I met with him on the east side a few times. I went to his prayer group a few times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, it was, I was, I was praying and, and doing that thing while also falling apart. Because I didn't know where it applied in my world. Where does that apply in your world? You know, you're told to just you need to you need to pay the bills. Mm. You need to be a machine. Which which is what you were doing? Because were you you were managing a? Uh, I was man I was a warehouse tech? manager. At warehouse a, manager. Yeah, I was managing a a, a a plumbing supplies warehouse. We were just we'd supply builders. Yeah. And so local. you're doing. So part of you is is in this world of pay the bills, go to the bar afterwards, then go home, right. and do it all over again. Right. And then there I was, was this the other- I was the pretender. I was the Jackson Brown pretender. <laughs> I love that yeah, song. Me, yeah, me too. <laughs> and then you're in this other world where it's like you're you're called to prayer or you feel this spiritual- a deep call to prayer. Yeah. But, but what in the world will a guy yeah, like can't me- can't pay bills with Right. That. What would I do? How would I apply it? And at, I don't even realize that over on the east side, these guys are formulating a way to, to apply it. These guys mm -hmm. are coming up with the plan. And these guys being Greg and Marsha and David. Yeah, and they're Deanna. about to they're about to carry me back to the clinic from the waterfall once more. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> Isn't that heavy? And so I meet up with them and I'll, I'm going to try not to cry because <laughs> yeah, it's so heavy. But yeah. These guys, I mean, they, 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 uh, they saved me more, more than, <laughs> more than once. Um, yeah, Morrison, man, he's, he's my brother. <laughs> he, he really is my, my, uh, he really is my older brother, man. Uh, my Irish older brother. <laughs> yeah. You guys couldn't look any different, right? but you're, you're for sure cut from the same cloth. We are. There's man. no doubt about that. We are. And he, so, so then we wash up, we wash up here. What happened is I just said, look, I got to save my family. I've got to, I've got to save my marriage and I've got to do something right for, for once. And so I, I left the uh, warehouse thing and they were, and they were just about to, and I always resented my dad for going into, to boot, for, mm. going into church world from boot factory world 
because we were, you know, he was just about to get his big break and go to huge manufacturing in California. And, uh, uh, so they were about to give me my break and send me to Scottsdale, Arizona, <laughs> which would have just been more trouble. And I just said, yeah, they sent us to a resort in Scottsdale to go try it out and like, just kind of get us curious about Scottsdale. And, uh, it's such, such a bizarre story, but one of my, uh, my oldest boy, Andre almost drowned there. Wow. We were in the, at the resort and he almost drowned. Some, the pools there? some dude saved him cause I can't swim. I'm from the desert. I've never had to swim. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can walk, you can walk a hundred miles in a hundred degrees. But right. Right. Swimming right, right. pool and you're right. Yeah. So, so I left that and I left it for, to nothing. Because, you know, I, I can't get jobs. This is a major problem and a major theme in my life with the felony arrest. I can't find work. I can mm. never find work. I'm capable. I'm physically capable. I'm able. I'm a hardworking guy. I never complain. You know, all that. Be- because even though you didn't go to jail for the felony. <laughs> oh, it's still there. It's still. A, yeah. they, it wasn't like they dropped the charge. Right. Yeah. And all these, all these, um. All these, uh, what's what do they call them? Temping services, yep, and yep. you know they Temporary, send you places. Yeah. yeah, all those places they don't they don't even look at felons. Right. Yeah. So they, they have enough people that don't have. I families. had friends that were that worked in those services, and and uh, you know high up in those mm-hmm. services that couldn't get me into places because of that. And I just said, well, I'm I'm a lost cause, you know. <laughs> and then and then you get this job have a little bit of success and you right. walk, you walk out the door. Right. Yeah. And I had to just leave it, man. So I did, I left it and, and I just trusted, I just trusted the Holy spirit. I just said, you know what? I'm, I guess I'm my father's son. I guess this is what I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I just walked out and followed the spirit out into the desert. Literally I would leave uh, my house um, on the East side and walk all the way to Chaparral and I'd stay overnight wherever I was in the wow. street, and I'd just pray, and I'd just say, "God, I, I, sorry, man. Don't be. That's just, <laughs> I. I cry a lot. Thing. I do cry a lot. And you were walking alone when you were doing this. Oh man, I I needed to learn how to be alone. I needed to learn how to be with myself. Uh, I couldn't, you know, I, I was, I was a wreck, but, uh, and this world was kicking my ass, you know? And so I, I, I would do these long walks. I would call them homeless guy walks (laughs) and I just take off, man. And I, I, so many times I'd be crashing out somewhere. As soon as I'm falling asleep, the cop light spots on, Uh, you know, cop spotlight is on me. Hey, you can't sleep here. Move your ass. I'm like, all right. But, uh, but I'd walk out here to Chaparral for a Sunday service. The next, you know, I'd leave Friday, walk all day, Saturday, come up here on Sunday. Here yeah. to Desert Rain. No, that would this would have been my dad's church okay, okay. at the yeah, time. Yeah. He was he was meeting out here at a he he had different buildings at different times. Right. And he he just he'd outgrow a building and go yeah. to the next one and next one and next one. But uh so that's yeah, that was when I, I um really started connecting, reconnecting with the Desert Rain guys. And they weren't doing Desert Rain yet. Mm-hmm, they right. were still east side planning mm-hmm. what do we do? How do we how do we make this thing? How do we make the move? And 
that's exactly what I needed to know. How do mm. we make this move into an, an, an integrated life that, in, that can, where we can integrate our spiritual lives, our spiritual disciplines, our spiritual practice with our active lives, with our working lives, with our families, with our friends? How does that come together? How do, what do we do with that? They knew it. I, I, I mean, they were coming out here to do it, man. And so we reconnect. And like I say, man, they carried me off that waterfall to the clinic again. And uh, I started helping build the place. So all those years that we weren't living here yet, mm-hmm. we were living in Northeast El Paso at this time because we lost the big house on the east side. <laughs> because you'd, you'd left, the I job. left the job. Yeah. 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 And uh, we lost that house. It was a bad thing. It was an embarrassing thing. I've been embarrassed plenty. <laughs> so now I'm like, yeah. We'll just- I think that's why we get along so well because we both have been embarrassed <laughs> so much. So in embarrassing our life. by myself, yeah. <laughs> embarrassing myself. But yeah, so then we uh, we're living in a trailer in Northeast El Paso, and I'm helping build Desert Rain. Greg's, you know, got a heart for me, man, and he sees me just. It's a, it's almost like he sees me struggling to tread water and he's just like dude you gotta you you gotta build this place at least that's something for you to do (laughs) so greg's a good man like yeah he's he threw me the life vest man and so i i start building this place and honestly i don't think i even knew how to nail a hammer into a a nail into a wall (laughs) you didn't know how to say it either (laughs) yeah i don't even (laughs) i don't even know how to swing a hammer back then but him and deanna you know as much as as much time as they could put into it, they teach me stuff. And I mean, Deanna taught me construction. <laughs> it's so crazy, ma'am. When we retiled <laughs> yeah. the double wide, she, I could not believe She's it. Bad, she man, I know. is construction as construction <laughs> could be. It's scary, dude. Yeah. It's, an, it's, it's I, I was blown away. Yeah. Deanna taught me construction. <laughs> and so, so I started working, uh, building desert rain and building, you know, all the stuff we have out yeah. here today, man. That was my, that was me learning how to pray, learning how to do active prayer. Cause I couldn't be with myself yet. You know, I, I also started learning bird watching out here mm. in those early years. Cause I couldn't focus. I couldn't think alone. You know, right. I, I learned how to be alone by being out here and, um, uh, they just they just really threw me threw me that life vest and then they started talking about moving in full time they were like hey you guys should move in and i said look man there's something i've learned i don't make plans because mm. everything i try to do i destroy i'm it like i'm like wreck it ralph <laughs> so i'm you want this thing torn down in a year yeah let me plan something <laughs> Let me start making plans. So I just said, nah, man, let's pray. That's my that's that's my go-to. But honestly, that's always gets me in the in the real trouble. <laughs> right, like, yeah. Let's just Once pray. you start really bringing God into a situation. So I tell him, exactly. So I tell him, let's pray about it. And if the spirit wants me out here, he'll move me out here. Guess what? That weekend again, our how our trailer burned down. <laughs> It's just nonstop with this guy, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. And so our trailer burns down and, you know, we were all safe, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone was safe. That's that's the other unbelievable part of that story is it was you, 
Medea and what, four kids? Yeah. And no one was hurt. No one was hurt. We lost a family turtle, but I, I don't think they even named the guy yet. Yeah, just turtle. <laughs> his name was, was turtle. His name was turtle soup. He got burned up. He got, he was turtle barbecue by the end. <laughs> exactly. No, that story. Yeah. I mean, it just, we've touched on it in just about every road to desert rain, but this power really? of prayer. Power of prayer. I mean, no, not this specific story. Right, the story right. of, like examples oh, of right, prayer, right, right, right. Okay, like manifesting these incredible things. Exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. So then our trailer burned down. This was like Halloween weekend. Uh, I don't remember what year. I just remember it was coming up on Halloween and the kids' costumes burned up and everything. And right, so they were course. like, my Superman. They didn't care about the house. But <laughs> like, it, I had my Ninja Turtle suit. Right, right. But uh, so then we we came out here and we were in the dorms for a long time after that. And we were just – honestly, we were cracking up at it too at the same yeah. time because – you know, we all know what happens when we start praying out here. Well, especially with them, like, you should come out here, you know, like yeah. a very reasonable demand. And you're like, man, we're going to pray on it first. I should have just come out here. God's but like, okay, well, right. you're going to delay. <laughs> nope. So we washed out here, man. We we were born. We were born for, you know, I feel like I was born on that waterfall. Mm. And then I was baptized in the, in the, into, uh, the crossroads area. And then I was baptized by fire and coming out here. And it just, honestly, it, ha it, it's a reoccurring thing. It doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. It does not stop in, in my life. It's kept, it's kept happening. And out here, then I, then I come into, once we move out here and we're living in the dorms, and and then shortly after that, we move into the little mobile home where we're at now. My kids finally had time with me. My kids mm. finally got to see me. My kids finally got to know me. You got so to the, be a dad. Yeah. I finally got to be a, 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 a father. And I was terrified of being a father. I thought this is the... There's no way you could housebreak me. How am I going to become yeah, right. a father? You're an outside dog. Right. I'm not even housebroken yet. And they want me to raise children. This is not going to work. Um, but, man, it starts working. <laughs> it starts working good, man. And, and it, it, the silence. It was the silence. We were, we've learned, we, I had to learn to, to be silent and to pray. And, you know, one of the first tasks for me out here was... In the Psalms, you know, you, there's, I pray, the Psalms say things like, I, I pray day and night. I pray, I cry out to you night and day. All my days, I cry out to you. And I, I think we try that and then we run out of words mm. and then we bust into silence. And then when we bust into silence, something speaks back to us and through us in that silence I think we received the prayer of the heart and that's where I received, I mean, so many beautiful things. I can't even mention them, you know, but uh, I could, I could hardly make sense of them. And this is another thing. Like it's back. I'm still in that place of humility where everything out of my mouth sounds like this ex, dr this drug addict, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever, buddy. Sure. <laughs> Sure, guy. Right. Is that some of that ready rock knowledge? Yeah. That's this old LSD talking. <laughs> well, and I think it's beautiful too because, you know, every – so up until this point, 
everyone was, you know, making a plan. Uh, they were, you know, trying to figure out how to land at Desert Rain. And and you put it really good just a few moments ago where you washed up. Oh, yeah. I to washed Desert up Rain. big you time. Know, even though you're already out here and, and being involved, you know, you're to live out here. You you got, you know. Oh, yeah. That uh, that waterfall or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever you felt falling off that waterfall also carried you out here and it's been trying to um and and i realize you know i realized this um that's that spirit that is that that is original in us that original light that original beauty that is in us when we're mm. children it's trying to access us all our lives. It's trying to reveal itself to us. It's trying to, uh, it's, it, it can be seen as if, you know, like with Moses, God trying to show Moses his, himself. It's kind of like that. And God's trying to show us his self all our lives. And I, I, um, I constantly, uh, uh, get slapped in the back of the head by it. <laughs> well, and, and uh, this has come up before too, but it's like, God's always here, right? Yeah. We just become aware to it. And it's like, right. I've, uh, is this going to, if anyone that's listened to multiple, it's like, Hey God, Oh, come here, God, let me show you what I've been doing. And it's right. like, well, no, God's been there the whole, God already knew what you've been doing. Cause God's been there the whole time. Right. And God we just is, become aware. And I always felt like as a, as a young guy, I'd always, you know, I've, I've been in drive-bys that are just terrifying right. <laughs> being shot at. And I, this prayer would come out of me where I'd be like, God, why? And mm. God, please save me this once. If you save me this once, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll come right. back. I'll serve you. I promise. Uh, so it always felt like I was trying to find God in the world mm. somewhere, but it's actually reversed. It's actually the opposite of that. God is desperately trying to reveal God's nature to me all the time, trying to uncover or pull back the veil on this, uh, uh, this gaze that God has on his beloved child, you know, on his beloved son and daughter, you know, trying to unveil God's self to us and I, I stumble into it, man. And it's so beautiful here at desert rain. It's been th these, these, uh, these last, I'd say, I don't know. I'm terrible at the yeah. years, but here I, comes I, the numbers. Yeah. Again. Here comes the numbers. Tripping probably, them up. <laughs> this last seven or so years, 10 years, probably 13 years by now. I don't know, but this last so many, you know, handful of years have been, really heavy, really beautiful, uh, um, community is still very hard community. I would even go so far as to say, dude, when people ask me about it, I say, dude, community sucks. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. It's like marriage. It's impossible. You could do everything right. And it's still almost just, it's almost only depending on the grace of God <laughs> and you could do everything right. And at the end of the day, it's like, oh shit, it still doesn't work. But then there's that grace, you know, there's that, there's yeah, that. The like, grace sweeps in. Oh, it sweeps in right on time, man. And, and it has for us. And that's the hope. That's the, that's the, that's the faith. 
you know? That's beautiful, man. And, and what, I've, what I've discovered here is faith takes physical form. Mm. The faith of, as a child that I had as a child, believing in this invisible God, this invisible, you know, man, it's always a man off in the distance somewhere. Right in the clouds. He's, he's busy. Yeah. <laughs> he's working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this faith of believing in this, this guy to show up and rescue me takes physical form here and it becomes my neighbor. It becomes a faith that, you know what, I can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. But with my buddies, you know, David, Greg, man, they throw me the life jacket. They throw, you know, there's mm -hmm. so many times that, that uh, I can't even mention how many times, but there's so many times that it's like, well, you know, we, we stick up for each other in different ways. You know, mm -hmm. I, I may have, I, I, I don't feel like I'm a very helpful person, even though I do. That's pretty much my job here is I, I do fix and make things and help everybody. Of course. But I, I don't, I still, it doesn't make me feel like a, a, an important person um, or a helpful person because mm -hmm. I feel like, well, anybody could do that, <laughs> you know, nail up a picture. <laughs> no, I've seen you fix some stuff, man. You're not. <laughs> but, but so I don't feel like a very uh, valuable person, mm -hmm. but I've learned how to pray. I've learned how to be still and I've learned how to hear the hearts of my friends. I've learned how to hear where they're disappointed and where they've been fulfilled in their lives. I've learned how to listen deeply with them to their own lives. Yeah. And I think that that's where we really come alongside one another in community is when we actually start considering the things uh, of, of our neighbor that aren't evident, that aren't Obvious. They're not, they're not the tangible. Yeah. Things. It's yeah. not like, you know, I think, yeah, like the thing, you know, I can, I can pray for, uh, uh, in their lives and it's not a request prayer anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not like God help, you know, give us With $10 million. Yeah. It's not that prayer anymore. It's become a, um, st stand, uh, teach me how to be in solidarity with this, uh, friend of mine in his, disappointment. Teach me how to be sensitive to what this guy really needs in his life or what, um, or what I can be to in his life. Uh, uh, as far as, as far as camarader camaraderie or, mm -hmm. or a, a brother to him, you know, I want to be that person. I want to know how to be that brother. And, and when you don't have resources to fix someone's problems, it's even better. Mm -hmm. It helps you even more to stand with them because you can't just, it's not a thing where it's like, yeah, I just, he just needs me to go and help him fix his roof. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's not a praying issue. I could go and help him fix his roof any yeah. day, but, uh, but the things that we hope for, they're not the things that we know. We hope for the things that we don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's the prayer life of desert rain where I can see uh, our each other's one another's disappointments or or um see them in their disappointment or in their inability as a gift to me mm -hmm. that's uh, that it, it's beyond talent that that you interact in community in real community it's you 
we call this uh, pseudo community and authentic community. In pseudo community, you show up with your talents. Like, here's what I could do. Here's what I bring to the table. In authentic community, you show up with your inability and your, your inability with, with your is actually where your gift is hiding. Yeah. Your gift to the world. Otherwise, you know, uh, if, it, if, it, if your giftedness were hidden in your ability, if it lied only in your ability, you have so many handicapped people, so many addicted people, so many mentally disabled people that have no gift then, right? That's not true. Yeah. That's yeah. just not true. They're yeah. a gift. And, and it's, it's not their job to show their giftedness. It's our job to Observe it. shut up, become silent, and hear, what is this guy? Where is his gift to this world? Or where is this person's or child's gift to this world? That's been a lifelong thing now. That has become like, oh, okay, now there's work to do here mm -hmm. for me. And I could... I can apply myself somewhere. It's beautiful, man. And, and uh, we're coming up on time. So you feel good? I feel good. I'm embarrassed that I cried like three times. Uh, that's good, man. And, <laughs> and I would I would like to go. I would like to, I, from a sentimental point, from my perspective, I, you know, you're, you're also one of those guys that, that throws out the uh, the life vest, man. Mm. Throwing out. It's not just Greg. It's not just David. You're You're one of those one of those guys and, 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 you know, the gals here at desert rain that are throwing out those life vests and, and, um, rescue bu buoys and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I've huh. experienced that, man. So I appreciate, I appreciate you being part of that. Oh, I love hearing that. Um, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, another episode of, uh, road to desert rain in the bag. Um, if you want to hear past episodes, uh, feel free to go to drcrpod.com. Uh, if you're you're curious or you're interested about uh, Desert Rain as a community, uh, check out theruined.com. And uh, we, we've thanked you many times, uh, Jacob, for letting us uh, use the monk drums in the background for the outro. Yeah, so thanks for using I, it. I get to, to thank you to your face now, man, and I appreciate those. Yeah, it's, that's been... And, and that's a whole other episode you and I can go down to the work we did together in and around monk drum so um thank you all uh if you like what you're hearing please uh please spread uh please tell your friends and spread the word and we appreciate you mm -hmm.